when we are doing the will of our true self, we are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. Slither hither, weirdos and witches. My name is Keats Ross, and you're listening to Prague Magic. Automantic. A romanced yet pure form of metaphysical channeling via art, aka automatic drawing or automatic writing. Now, I just made that word up. I'm sure it's pretty obvious. I created the word to describe Eric J. Millar's process. Why? Well, because I like to label things, I suppose, but I doubt he would ever put too much pizzazz and thought into categorizing his process as quote-unquote automantic, as Eric is somewhat adept in a pure form of creation, an intentless intent, so to speak, and to use an automatic and subconscious exorcism for creation. And I find that, well, romantic. Thus, automantic. Don't sue me if the term doesn't stick. Eric is also a colleague and fellow haunt in our metaphysical art collective, We the Hallowed. And I couldn't be more excited to make such fast friends with a talent I revere as much as his. As a matter of fact, Eric is not only a prolific illustrator and artist of 23 books in the last like seven years under his publishing sect, Outlet Press, he is also in the process of creating a custom arcana, a custom divinatory system called the Disruption Generator, which he says has no scholarship and is just pure symbolism for whatever it'll mean to you. And I think that's truly automantic. See what I did there? Anyway, Eric gives the first ever Disruption Generator reading for someone else, that someone being me, and we also discuss our major new project together, Zizobra. It's a new weekly column for wethehallow.org that will basically log my metaphysical attempt to navigate major crucial life changes that I'm going through right now while I'm trying to complete my personal opus, a book entitled Zizobra. So without further ado, slither hither weirdos and witches, here's my conversation with Eric J. Millar. I think this is the first time I'm hearing your voice, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard your voice so many times listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, we've been talking, I think, pretty much every day, and I just realized that I haven't met you in person, and I didn't know what you sounded like. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, like, whenever I read what you write me on the messages, I always hear your voice from the show. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> That's got to be annoying. Nah, it's it's better having a voice. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Well, um, right. so now you're a guest. Um, and mm -hmm. it's been a long time coming because I've been a fan. I think I got to know your stuff through Anthony Alvarado. Is that right? Uh, maybe. Um, I did the art for his radio show. Right. And I was the producer or still kind of am for, uh, the Magic oh, wow. Hour. Yeah. So you probably saw the art really early on then. Well, I mean, I, I kind of came in late in the game. I think I did like the last three or four episodes, but I was, okay. yeah, I think I asked him where the art came from and it was in the same session that he introduced me to Abronia who did the theme song and like you two now are in this weird nebulous space where every time I hear Abronia, I kind of think of your art, which is a total compliment in and of itself too, but it's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I think we should just go a little bit linear because I'd like to know more about your comeuppance and uh, where you're from and how you got to Portland. So maybe just give me a rundown of what the last decade looked like. Well, um, let's see, about 10 years ago, I was living in a smallish town in Minnesota called Bemidji. Huh. It's, about, like, it's about 90 minutes away from Canada. Okay. And uh, I, about 10 years ago, I was going through, I mean, some people would call it a midlife crisis, I guess. I'd call it more of like a, I was looking for some kind of answer. I'd, I'd been dealing with depression for a really long time. And uh, I just, nothing was really working for me. So I decided to try to find my own way. And that was five miles a day of running and reading all the science and occult books I could get my hands on. Very cool. And I did that for a couple of years and then figured out that I needed to get out of Bemidji. I'd been there my entire life and it was time to go. So I sold off like 90% of my belongings, packed up my car and drove out here. Nice. And did you have a a reason for Portland to begin with? Is there something that drew you out here? Uh, I, had, I had a friend that lived out here and I came out for a visit for a couple of weeks and I just liked the art scene out here and I'd never really given it a try to like actually get out there as an artist. I just kind of did it for myself and came out here for the art scene and then kind of didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. For a good long time. That's that's similar to my story as well. The first like four years or so were, were pretty dead on arrival. Yeah. Yeah, I got my first art show about two years. Well, my first and only art show about two years into living here and it made me never want to do an art show again. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did you start illustrating the books? Uh you go under outlet press. And I wanted yep. to figure out when when did that start gestating? Um, my first book, I think I put it out about six years ago, I think. Cool. I put out my first two six years ago, and then I put those out of print. I, I did them under a uh, pen name, and I only sold like one copy of each one. 
And after that, I really just got the ball rolling under my own name, under Outlook Fest. Mm-hmm. My, uh, the first book I put out was uh, called Cosmic Grease Trap. And it was a collection of the paintings I did for the art show. Okay, so was that, did, did you construct them as a set? Like, were they supposed to be kind of tethered together? Uh, no, no, they were all really random. I was, uh, that art show was a big experiment from day one. Cause I, uh, I gave myself six months to do one painting a week. Ah. And um, the show was at... Uh, the place is called Float On in Southeast Portland. They do uh, sensory deprivation. Yep, I used to live right on that block. Well, you you might have seen my show then. Weird. Yeah, maybe. I yeah, it's the only place I had floated uh, for a while. Yeah. Well, I am pretty sure if you've been in there, you probably saw my shirt design that I did for them. No way! It, that's it's, totally your handwriting as the logo. Yeah. yeah, it's the, it's the uh, the diver with the bubble. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's hilarious. That's really cool. So you have been in the peripheral for quite a quite a while in my life. It's funny. Yeah, that was like well, at least seven years ago now. Yeah, that's about when I first moved back here. Was was right around yeah. then, and I lived right on Forty Six and Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. Well, tell me more about uh, Outlet Press. Um, well, Outlet Press is just kind of the umbrella I put all of my books out in. It's not really like a real publishing outfit. It's just more of like a a name and a, a symbol. The, the power outlet is, for some reason, it feels like a, a powerful symbol to me. Yeah. Um, and... I even have a tattoo of a power outlet on my leg. And uh, it just felt like the strongest symbol I could use to actually put all of my stuff into. Yeah, we had Um, been talking for a time. I think when I was going through my little identity crisis, uh, we had been talking about kind of the power of either going under a sort of, not a character so much, but a sort of you know, um, big, beautiful idea instead of, you know, just going straight with your name. But you seem to be mm-hmm. doing both pretty, you know, um, casually and well. Yeah, I've, I tried the pen name thing for a little while. And I don't, I, the only thing I ever put out were those two books. And even like going into the name I go under is, Slightly a pen name going by Eric J. Millar. Uh huh. Because I never used the J in regular life. And the J is actually, if it's, uh, I share a middle name with my dad and my son. Oh, cool. So I, I put the J in there as like a tribute to the middle name that's kind of my, I don't know, birth, birthright. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of intent even but, uh, just in the uh, in the blood how you how you uh, compose the blood name. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. For a while, I actually just wanted to put everything out under just Outlet Press, but I never kind of 
pulled the trigger on that. Do you think it would have been enough. harder for people, like uh, for crowds or for an audience to, I don't know, relate without that? I think so. Yeah. Uh, people really like to have like a person tied to what what they're looking at or listening to. Yeah, I'm noticing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And so you I don't do just... a lot of public appearances. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been uh, pretty prolific. How many books have you put out now? Uh, all told, twenty-three. That's oh, and the number, <laughs> the perfect number. That's amazing. Yep. And so it's been six years then. Then you've been constantly kind of publishing these. Yeah, yeah, six years just quietly pushing them out. So let's dive into a little bit about the, just, you know, because it is pragmatic, and you had mentioned, mm. you know, you're running and engulfing the occult stuff. What were the initial figureheads or, or texts that kind of really wet your wiles? Um, my first things were comics. Actually, it was uh, Grant Morrison and Warren Ellis. Yeah, totally. Um, the Invisible just kind of blew my mind at a really young age. And when I was looking through occult stuff, one of the first books I bought, because of Grant Morrison being in it, was the uh, Disinformation Book of Lies. Yep, that's what got me. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, you come from the, the Grant Morrison school by way of Austin Osmond Spare sigilism and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very cool. And then I kind of mix a little bit of uh, Salvador Dali's, like, uh, Hypno uh, Goja. I don't know how to actually pronounce that. What is that? Where you get your, you, get, you put yourself into a hypnagogic state. Oh, yeah. Before you make your art. Just kind of lose track of yourself and just let your hand do what it's going to do. Yeah, sort of like an automatic writing or channeling yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And so that's kind of where are you pulling from this ethereal place? Because, I mean, your stuff is 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 poignant and, like, heavy in its simplicity, but it is very much a, an ethereal kind of wondrous world you're building. And I was wondering where... Are you pulling those from the hypnagogic states? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my stuff kind of comes just from daydreaming and I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of creating really linear stories. Yeah. Generally. Cause it doesn't feel to me, it doesn't feel natural to just kind of go from point A to point B to point C. Right. That's... I kind of like to match them all together into just one gigantic wad of letters. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant, um, how do I put it? It's like, to sound pretentious, but like an oeuvre that you have. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you, when did you start hitting a, like, characterization all your own? When do you think that that was starting to, to form? Um, I would say, I think the first book where it really, where I really started hitting what felt right for me was when I did Hand of Law. Yeah, that's... I was just reading that one. Or... Yeah, before, looking at before that, I was kind of trying to make comics. Mm -hmm. Like what I thought comics should be. 
And then when I was working on that, because it, it was a daily drawing practice, it was just like I got tired of like not drawing. So I said, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to draw whatever pops into my head in this wall textbook yeah. that I found on the street. Like, it's, it's not something that I'm going to take really seriously. It's not something I'm going to like hold really tightly. It's just I'm going to draw whatever comes out, and that's what it is. It seemed that seems to be like your your pure kind of go to. I've noticed because you've been creating, and we'll talk about this more later. But the disruption generator, which mm-hmm. I think you're you posted forty four today, number forty four, and you've been doing it Monday through Friday, an illustration a day, you know, for forty four yeah. days, and it seems like yeah. just your natural, pure, like channel for creation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much me shutting everything else out, and I just, I don't even think about what I'm drawing half the time, it's just kind of whatever my hand does. And so the longer form books, like say, you know, Coyote Dreaming, I feel, is probably your most linear. Um, yeah. And so those, do they come as like one big piece to you that you kind of break up, or are those the same kind of way where... You kind of sit, you shut everything off, and you just create. Well, Coyote is kind of a kind of a different thing. That one was the that one I had for a really long time before I did anything with it. Yeah, like that that story was in my head for three or four years before I actually got anything down on paper. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like <laughs> it, my. It was originally story. good. <laughs> Yeah, it was originally going to be a prose poem, actually. Oh, cool! It reads it's like, like a one. tribute to Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, I like that because you know, at first, it, it's definitely a like kind of a pastiche on Looney the Looney Tunes dynamics, but then it devolves yeah. to this like really heavy, beautiful, um, existential, trippy thing about Wiley e. Coyote and his like unending hunger. You know, in this like weird purgatory loop that he's in when he's hunting for this roadrunner, mm-hmm. and it really hit home. I was I think I was telling you earlier today, just rereading it. There's a couple of like chunks I can just take with me, little stanzas mm-hmm. that you have, and they're very. It's a very much storybook. You know, it's very much. Would you say? Would you be comfortable with sharing this stuff with your kid? When they're at the age, I think so. Yeah, I, uh, I I actually try to avoid putting a lot of like really like taboo things in what I make uh-huh. because I I hope to give my son this stuff when he's older, and you know, but when it can really get him, yeah, because that's like the stuff that really got me got me when I was like twelve. Like, I can still remember when my dad let me watch Heavy Metal, the movie, and it just blew my mind. Yeah, that makes sense. And I want to be able to do the same thing for my son. And if it's my stuff, that's just all all that much better. That's so cool. Do you have a certain number that you're trying to hit with books published, or you just just happen to have landed on 23 when we're talking? Yeah, I've just just landed on 23 for now. Uh, Disruption Generator will be number 24. Very cool, yeah. And then, yeah, who knows where it'll go from there. Well, let's talk about the disruption generator a little bit, because 
you've been doing it for We the Hallowed, which is kind of like our art collective slash mm-hmm. weirdo and witch haven. And you have yeah. been really just infusing it with like everything I've ever kind of wanted for the group to express yourself, you know, and and way in ways hitherto unimaginable for like other kind of standard collectives or blogs. And you've decided yeah. to create a tarot, basically. Yeah. Without it, you know, being tarot. But you've created this oracular device where well, I'll let you explain it because you would actually you're the person that should be talking. <laughs> well it's uh it's it's an oracular device that all the words are chosen from a random word generator that I found through Google. And one card a day I randomly choose a word and just draw it. That way the the cards aren't infused with any any biases or not infused with any deeper meanings to me or anybody else that might be reading it because it's all completely random. It has no history. It has no, there's, there's no scholarship on it yet. It's just pure symbolism for whatever it'll mean to you. Awesome. And, and yeah, I mean, in the end, it's going to be a book based oracular device where somebody will just shuffle through the pages of a book and pick out the symbols from the book and do their spread that way. So like, kind of like bibliomancy, but you like by page. Yeah, it'd be like directed bibliomancy, like that. That's what the book is for. Cool. Are you starting to find like common? Because I am looking at them, but that's just because that's that's the beauty of this thing, is that uh, every card kind of incites something in me that either I want to use as a prompt to like write something about or that gets me thinking about some heavy you know esoteric thing have you been finding a thread of your own through the cards this far um not not really that's cool, uh, i think i might just be too deep into it i think i might just be too deep into it yeah 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 cuz the whole point is um, it's the purest kind of unbridled creation like I love that you yeah. didn't want to put any archetypal thing on it, and that's also why I'm hesitant to continue comparing it to tarot because tarot is just such a brutally archetypal, you know, heavy. Oh yeah, <laughs> heavy studied and involved thing. But yeah, yeah. What 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 broke me on tarot was reading uh, Jodorowsky's book on the tarot. Uh huh. It was like 550 pages where he he did like a chapter on each card and what each card like represents. I just, I, it lost me. <laughs> like if, if, if one person could put that much scholarship into a deck, I, I, I don't know if I can really get anything out of that. Yeah. And there's but, God, countless, countless academic texts about tarot and the different kinds. And I've always been more of a fan of, like Alex, Alex Ballin from the Alex cast, he's the one that introduced mm-hmm. me to like the Edward Gorey ones. And like the yeah. Edward Gorey deck is supposed to be making fun of tarot. 
And yeah, in a roundabout way, I found it to be a really great device, <laughs> like like Terra, yeah. if not better, because it's so, uh, you know, hands off. I think. Yeah. So we were gonna attempt to utilize it in sort of an oracular way. I think on the show you were gonna do kind of like a three card spread. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, walk well, me through uh, how how you got how you how you are applying the disruption generator. Okay. So for right now, since it's not in a book, since there's a number like that goes with each and every card right now, I just picked three three randomly generated numbers to do what's basically like a three card tarot spread. Uh huh. Um. So this one, I originally, I asked you for a question, but then I, I got a patient and I just decided to do a blind read. <laughs> yeah, I see. And that's me thinking too heavy about shit, you know? I think this kind of yeah. cold reading is going to give me more insight than whatever bullshit, heavy, you know, question I would have conjured. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and this is a completely blind read based off of a, a little bit of our interaction and... Um, do you want me to just read off what I got for the, the read? Well, or uh, so describe you... the way out first? Yeah, let's just describe them. Yeah. All right. Um, well, basically what I'm hoping people will do with the disruption generator is kind of build up a journal with it. Like, like an oracular journey that they can look back on and reference. And so they know what they've needed a little you know, nudges and a little bit of guidance for. And so when a person does a reading, I've designed it to be kind of like the uh, the way William S. Burroughs used to journal, which is he would take a page and he would divide it up into three different sections. And for him, I, I can't remember the exact, it was his traveling journal that he did that with. So it would be like one section would be what he saw when he was there, one section would be what he heard, and one section would be what he tasted. Huh, yeah. And he would go through and he'd describe each of those three things on the one page and put in clippings and various other things. <clears throat> but basically for me, what I, what I wanted to do was do a three-tier, like you separate a notebook page into three tiers. Right, I'm looking That's at the, the uh, page put, you sent now, yeah. So basically, yeah. you have three cards and then on the top, for each card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one for each card, yep. And then you just write your question on the top and whatever other information you might want to save for later, like the date or who knows. Right. And yeah, each of the columns is for a card and maybe leave a little space on the bottom for other notes for yourself, maybe for like actual like journaling based on your read. But, uh, yeah, and so, so yeah, you, you want me to just you get have, into your yeah, so just to illustrate here, you have blind read or blind read written on top as like the basis of what the read is. And then you have the right. each card has a column, and you list each card. And how are you you're you're randomly generating the numbers and then picking them that way? Are you uh, yeah, it's yeah, I, I uh, randomly generated three numbers between one and 
67 because that's the number I'm actually up to in drawing. Right. And this way you actually got a, well, one card that hasn't been on the site yet. I was hoping to hit a couple that you hadn't, that nobody had seen yet. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed. It is random, so. Yeah. But, um. It's kind of like. So, yeah. The, the basis of this all is just a sort of like culling the randomness through the disruption generator. Yeah. Like yeah, e- even not having randomness. a question or kind of a read for it is kind of, is it seems like a pure setup, you know, for Yeah, this. yeah, it is. I'm, I'm definitely going to experiment more with it after how this one turned out. Because this one seems to turn out pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so let's, let's go ahead and go down the three cards here. All right. So the first card, and oh, so the, the other thing I had to note on here was what each of the cards is going to represent. Based on, like, basically it's the tarot three-card three draw. Oh, I see, yeah. Like, for, for yours... So this one, card number one was the current situation. Card number two was the conflict. And card number three was the resolution. Right. And other people could do, like, past, present, future. Right. Right. When I did the example earlier on the website, I think I did past, present, future. Right. But, I mean, basically, whatever three you want to use that you might find the most helpful. But... Yeah, for yours, the first card I got was Snail. <laughs> and one of the things I, I'm kind of loving about the, the Disruption Generator is the just mundane things that pop up. Yeah. And what you might be able to find when you think about mundane things in a different way. Yeah, and your uh, definitions, too, that you've drafted are like so simple but uberly heavy at the same time. Yeah, that's a big thing for me is when I was really getting deep into the occult stuff and all of that, I figured out that for me, the mundane held way more importance. Yeah. When I, when I kind of imbued it with something that wasn't mundane anymore. One of my favorite sayings I used to say to myself all the time was, uh, uh, I just lost what I was going to say. That's that's what yeah, you're only... to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it what is. I was yeah, say. yeah, that was profound. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the only difference between ritual and routine is intent. Right. And you know, I mean, if you still eating your morning cereal with intent, it's a magical act. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all about imbuing the mundane with with uh, intent. I would believe. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, the first card being snail. Um, what I wrote, since basically it's supposed to be like a journal entry, I just wrote whatever popped into my mind based on what we had talked about. Uh-huh. I wrote the things move slowly, but naturally the world is heavy when you carry your home on your back. The benefits of moving so slow and close to the ground is that it gives you time to take in the intimate details of your surroundings. No surprises here. That's so funny. And just a little um, background. So the first card was situation and it was snail. 
And I am currently going through a move, an unexpected move. And so your automatic writing of, you know, carrying your home on your back is almost literally what will be happening at the end of this month here. Mm-hmm. Just to give it a little background mm-hmm. on how I, I'm, how I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. And then the second card was card 34, Evolution. <laughs> and for that, I wrote, things within are changing, priorities, desires, worldview, all in a state of growth and flux. No one knows whether the change is positive or negative, except for in hindsight. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then card number three was number sixty-one, Guru. <laughs> and I wrote, perhaps it is the best time to seek teachers to find those with the knowledge you desire or have the experience in the situation you have, you now find yourself in. Remember gurus can be good until they aren't. Lessons are not scripture. No one has every answer. Now. Yeah. I love, I love this for the sheer fact that I've always thought that oracular devices or divinatory systems were really just a way of unlocking things in your own subconscious or helping you, see things from a different light, you know, better resolution for your eyes, almost, or your quote-unquote third eye, to be goofy about it. But this, in its way, in its non-archetypal, non-heavy academic way, I've, I have yet to not find a brilliant resolve with the cards or say like this system, it's like freer for me to commune with my subconscious and reading into things in that way. And so this one though was so linear. It was so hilarious because of how, yeah, just how linear, how sequential it is. I mean, snail evolution guru. And, and it's, and it's very, very fitting for, I think even this podcast where, you know, the point of this podcast is it's a mystery school and it's, it's a way, excuse me, it's a way to learn and to listen from people that I admire, you know, and it can be slow moving and it can be a gradual evolution of what I don't know, but it's always kind of given me the opportunity to seek, you know, these quote unquote gurus. And so I think it's really appropriate for the podcast, just as it is for, you know, my situation and in life in general. So, so let me be the first Testament and write the blurb (laughs) on the back of the book. This works. You too can. Yeah. That's great stuff, man. And so you're going to go... Well, thank you. Your cards are going to go... You have a number in sight. You're going to keep creating... Your, I do. Publishing them on wethehollow.org. And what's the number? 120. 120. So yep, why 120? Wait, let me guess. I don't no, know. No reason, yeah. <laughs> it's no reason. There's no reason. It was going to be 200, and then it 
200 didn't feel right, and then I dropped it to 150, and 150 didn't feel right. But uh-huh. then 120 popped into my head, and I was like, okay, I'll go with that. I love 120 it. 120 sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> keeping it pure. Well, yep. I want to ask you then, maybe this is just kind of a question that's been generating uh, for the last few episodes. Um, what is your limit of woo? Like, what metaphysical experiences have you had and have how has that informed kind of your overall outlook? Um, well, I'd say I kind of subscribe to uh, the Robert Anton Wilson view of things. Uh-huh. I can believe in everything and nothing yep. at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I have, I have certain things I don't really believe in. I mean, I've seen like UFOs, but they're just lights in the sky. I'm not really sure what they were. Right. They are literally unidentified flying objects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you see a, a light cross the sky, suddenly stop. Yeah. Take a 90 degree turn and disappear. It's like, that's not a satellite. Right. But you're also your first but, uh, person to go straight to, you know, that's Xenu. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go, oh my god, I just got visited by aliens. Have you, uh, Who knows what it was. Because so it seems like your background as well as mine is through chaos magic in a way, which is a very oh, yeah. pragmatic and very art, I feel, based uh, magical yeah. ideology in a way. But have you seen or have you had like a ritual magic experience? Have you communed with anything outside of what uh, maybe just it, it's it, there's an outside presence. It's not just your higher self. For a while, I kind of subscribed to this idea that, that we were part of a gigantic machine that we can't really understand the working of those. Uh-huh. But there's some sort of like engine at the core. It's not necessarily God, but it's just kind of this unfeeling mechanism huh. that we all kind of play our part in. It's like a centrifugal force. You know. Yeah, yeah. And that could have been, I, I, I worked in factories for 15 years, and it could have been that I surrounded myself with machines too much. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, as far as as far as like gods and deities and stuff like that, I, I've never really been big into spirit stuff. Right. Because um, you just have you haven't had a personal experience with anything like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And if 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 something happened, I am more than willing to change my view on it. Yeah. I just yeah I'm not I, I haven't had anything to prove it to myself personally, and I'm not going to go out of my way to disprove what other people have experienced. Yeah. Absolutely. And I got to say, like, the more I know, or not the more I know, because that's a logical fallacy, but, like, the more (laughs) I acquaint myself with all of this stuff is I'm further and further away from being able to define anything, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I Everything I've ever subscribed to, I found a chink in eventually. Yeah. And... It just did not work anymore. Yeah, sometimes it feels like the only thing I mean, you can rely on is contradiction, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, it, like, even, like, hardcore science, like, when you come to, like, quantum physics and stuff like that, even that 
Two point is actually faith based. Yeah. It's because you can't really prove the really, really heavy theories. Like you can't prove the like many worlds theory. The many worlds theory. There's, there's no way to like, you know, when it was that we're part of a multiverse. Sure. And there's just yeah, there's parallel Earths all over the place. Like every every choice branches off into a different, different right. world. Right. Like, yeah, there's no way I mean, of proving that, but yeah, it's, it's a theory. It. Yeah. Yeah, and so, how I mean, that? if you have faith in that theory, it's it's faith, right? I guess depending on the day, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on the multiverse. But, but yeah. how is that? I'm not saying I'm anti-science at all, though. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm just you're not an extremist of any sort. And by extremist, right. I mean right. you know a, a fully faith-based uh, yeah. system. Yeah, it's all about maybe. And so how is that it kind of like it's it is a pragmatic um metaphysical approach where you're you're allowing you know you're open to all you're not denying anything you're not subscribing to anything how is that kind yeah. of fed your artistic uh prowess um uh, it's it's very freeing it's um because for the longest time, my my when I was younger, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a comic book artist. Right. That drew drew superhero books. That's all I wanted. So everything just went into this tunnel of I will draw a superhero comic books. And as time went on, I stopped wanting to do that. Like little pieces fell away here and there. And then when I started getting a little bit more spiritual and seeing things a little bit differently, everything just went crazy. Right. And it's, I find myself in a place that's completely different than what I originally intended. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, yeah, because I've been drawing, like, I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was, like, 12 years old. I still want to be a comic book artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't necessarily consider myself a comic book artist at this point. Not, not in the sense, I, in the like old world sense of, yeah, of, of yeah. what you want. I'm definitely yeah. still a, yeah, I still definitely consider myself a cartoonist because most of my stuff is very comic looking. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, like eventually, like different parts of my life, I either lost faith in or I changed the perspective I had on it and it just turned into what I have now. Yeah, it shows in the art. I can see the foundational aspects of that want when you were a kid, mm -hmm. but I can also see it, how it mutated, morphed, deconstructed, you know, diverted, uh, discombobulated, <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's, it, that it is definitely a Frankenstein monster. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic, though, but you still hold on to um, a narrative... Not a narrative, that's not the right word, but you hold on, there is a um, comprehension that is, still flows out, you know, your cartoons. I, can I call them cartoons? Or I would say illustrations. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm fine with cartoons. Yeah, but your illustrations still have, it, they don't go, they don't leave or alienate. They, in, in, in a way, they almost invite by using 
some of the those foundational aspects of you know old school comic or cartoon yeah. artists, but it in the best way flips it on its head. Like your new book was it the what's the title? The mirror. Uh, the mirror ain't broke, so it must be your face. So one of the best titles <laughs> of all time. But the mirror ain't broke, so it must be your face. Now explain what your structure is like that for the book. Um, it basically, it looks like a split book. Uh-huh. And what it is, is each page has the evolution of a changing face. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, when I, when I turned it into an animation, the animation was 10 seconds long. How many pages? And, uh, a hundred and uh, hundred and forty. Yeah, and there it's yeah, a it's a hundred and forty page book, right? Yeah, yeah, and if, if people were following my Instagram, they saw like every day they saw one or two pictures over a four month period. Yeah, yeah, it's. I, I did lose a lot of followers on that though. Uh. <laughs> People got a little, I think they got a little lost in how, how I was trying to do things there. Yeah, well then screw them. Who needs yeah. them? But yeah. you, uh, so was the intention to always to make a flip book or was it, because I, I had always, I, the flip book was a surprise to me actually when I saw your 10 second animation. I was like, whoa, you know, that's, it's, it's really, it's a brilliant kind of, additive to it but i i in my head i was thinking that it was just this kind of like you know weird portrait book where you're slowly kind of studying the different metamorphosis of this you know face so was it mm. was it always intended to be a flip book well, it always intended to be a progression yeah, yeah. like i uh looks like that when i call them comic progressions because they're not really like a comic book it's like it's just this one little bit of time stretched out to a, a lot of frames. Huh, yeah. Um, I think that was either my third or fourth that I did like that, where I just did one panel per page, where it was just like these really slow, slow progresses of something happening. Yeah, when I actually first started getting acquainted with your stuff, you had another one that you were doing that was more like trippy in the in the way that was like an orb. Oh no, no. Maybe I think it was like a an insect. Oh, the ant. The ant. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that one's actually a graphic novel. That one's a a silent graphic novel. That's uh, one panel per page. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful it's, uh, stuff. Yeah, it's called Poison Trail. Poison it's about an ant colony slowly poisoned. So, are you getting and you're getting all this from hypnagogic states, or is this? Uh, are you applying any kind of uh, chaos magic method, or any kind of you know uh, metaphysical um, method, other than you know just this automatic drawing or this pulling from the ethereal planes? Yeah, really, it's just the automatic drawing part of it. I uh, I mostly try really hard to not think about what I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. I, uh, and here I am trying yeah. to con deconstruct <laughs> everything or find some, you know. But that's that's totally that's the point. What would you call yeah. that? What 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 style would you call that? 
or that method? Uh, I would call it automatic drawing. Yeah. I mean, I had like I always start with a general idea of like what I want to draw, like a like a, like a house that's going to sit in, right. but I never know exactly what's going to come out. Yeah, I love it. So you you, but, you just are directed. Even if it's a narrative kind of structure, you're just kind of you sit down and you're directed while you're doing it. Yeah, I just look at the last panel and I go, "This is what I have to do next." Very cool. Like I have to go from this point to this point. How am I going to get there? And then I just let it go. And so, did that was that always your um, your method, or did you? Because I know you you started as a kind of straightforward comic book artist when you were a kid. When did you just kind of obliterate all? Because we were talking about intention, and your intention is almost to have none. Yeah. Um, what what obliterated it for me was I, I used to write horror stories. Uh huh. Like before, like for a, I'd say a seven year period, I didn't draw a single thing, and wow. I just decided I was going to be a writer. Yeah. So I was I was writing short stories for a while, and I wrote a short story that I spent four months editing, and I rewrote it fifteen times. Yeah. From scratch, every time, <laughs> and it just became this like really boring, plain. Like it wasn't worth reading anymore because it was, it was just, just like so overproduced or so. Yeah, it was just gray. Yeah. And after that, I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to plot anymore. Whatever happens, happens. I love it. Yeah. So, would yeah, you after consider... getting burned out on that. Hmm? I'm sorry, would you, I was just going to ask if you'd ever consider applying that to writing, like the no intention, automatic writing, basically. Uh, I have a couple times, actually. Yeah. I would um, love to check that out. Was, it reminds me a lot of, you know, the Burroughs-esque cut-up kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, your, uh, your art in a way, in, in some pieces. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to send you a copy of a couple of those things. You should post my, them. Uh, my, hmm? You should post them on We The Hollowed. I could. I could. The last one I'm not going to, though. No? Mostly because I kind of wish I hadn't wrote it. Oh. My, uh, my last novel was... Uh, was about Donald Trump. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was called King Toast, Portrait of a Shit Given. <laughs> and I gave Donald Trump a toaster for a head and an anus for a mouth. Wow, that sounds amazing. Because he glows orange and is full of hot air. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that in contrast to like Anthony Alvarado's, you know, uh, book that just came out where it's like this, you know, uh, homespun rebellion, you know, how to, you know, how to revolt. And then your, you know, homespun rebellion, your revolt is this, you know, funny cartoon. Yeah. Oh, this was a, this was an actual novel. Like oh, I wrote it. It was all. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but it's 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 all just vitriol and bitterness and anger. <laughs> and you just you don't want it out there because you just don't want to put that kind of energy into the. I, I put it. I, 
I put it out, and a few people read it, and I haven't heard from those people since. <laughs> so, and my my wife hates it. My mom couldn't read it because I get really really gross in it. It's like a it's a really like I feel gross reading it myself. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of the it's, dark it's, side of the hypnagogic, or like the automatic. Yeah, yeah, I I went like full dark on that book, and like nothing nothing else I've done before or after has been anything like it, and I kind of regret doing it because it just feels like this. It, it feels like keeping a tumor in a jar, you know. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm color me interested. Like now, I really want to check it out. <laughs> Well, I got a bunch of copies left. I could bring you one. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love the idea that, you know, finding the kind of, the adverse to, you know, you're channeling something and like, oh, I, I enjoy like not being in the driver's seat and seeing what comes out. And then you have the, holy fuck, I don't know what just came through me, but I don't want to see that again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I try very hard these days to steer away from, those kinds of ideas yeah. they're hard to get away from because like i have a long history of de depression mm -hmm. so like my natural state is dark yeah and like a big part of why i went so hardcore into art was to get away from my depression yeah and so that so, would just be yeah feeding the beast by doing it yeah through. and it just turns into yeah big feedback loop have you found um you your depression like largely rests on your artistic process yeah yeah that's where it mostly comes out these days yeah <laughs> i feel you but for the most part like like i don't feel as depressed as i used to like it's like now it's just like this buzz in the background like a little mosquito huh. whereas before it was like standing right next to a, a gigantic speaker every day do you think that's, that's just like age? Is that time? Or is that you being a father? I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like I spent my, my weird, uh, like running five miles a day, reading everything about science and philosophy and occult stuff. Like at that time I was reading like 10 books a week. Like I was trying to find answers. Yeah. When, when I figured, when I figured out the best answer was to just try to take care of myself. Yeah. And that was like the best answer for me. Yeah. It's definitely not the best answer for everybody because depression is different for everyone. I mean, that's kind of how mine ended up was, was very much that like I, I got to get off a lot of stuff and reconstruct things after. Yeah. Just eating better, taking care of myself, not, yeah. not drinking, you know, or just, you know, small mm. things that everybody says, but it, and I think that has a lot to do with age too, but it's funny oh, yeah. when you said that it diminished into like a little buzz in the back. I'm the same way. I still have it and I can visit it whenever I want to, <laughs> you know, it's there mm -hmm. to talk, but largely it just kind of stays in the background. And I think, yeah. yeah, keeping productive, right. Keeping artistically in it helps. Yeah. And I would honestly, I think I would kind of miss it if it was completely gone. Yeah. Kind of levels I, you out. Of all the things I've had in my life, that's the thing that's been there the longest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point.
It's like a, it's like a lifelong companion that you don't really like that much. But you're but gonna miss it. You still kind of want them there. Yeah. Yeah, you still kind of want them there because every once in a while they they let out a gem, you know. Totally. And you know, I I yeah, I know what you mean. And it literally levels me out. Like if I didn't have it, I'd be just a monster. I think. You know. Oh yeah, I think I, I think I would just be the most pretentious yeah. asshole about my art if I didn't have the humbleness of depression. Not that I'm already uh, not a monster, but I would be. Oh, I can't even stand yeah. the idea of me without that in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I don't even know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's coming up on the horizon? You got the disruption generator. We're we're at forty four. You're gonna go up to one hundred and twenty. That'll be your next book. That'll be book number twenty four. Uh, you're gonna help me illustrate a very meta column for wethehollow.org, which is uh, basically a adaptation style. You know, this is me trying to finally write my big story, and it, I can already see it just kind of being the story itself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, what yeah. else is there uh, in, the, in, the fear, in the near future? Um, right now, I am uh, looking over some notes that uh, Alex Bolin gave me on a comic project he had. Very cool. So I'm going to try to figure out some stuff with that. Um, I'm not sure if my art style is going to be the best art style to fit, but I'm going to try to get him to a place where he can definitely find somebody that will be good for it. That's if awesome. I'm not. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to interview him next, uh, this weekend. So I'll see, uh, I'll learn more about what his ideas are. Cause that's, that sounds exciting as hell. Yeah. So, but yeah, beyond beyond that, I uh, my original intention for 2019 was to just put out like short comic books, yeah. and that didn't happen. That's that's not what's happening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it got disrupted, generated. Yeah, yeah. The moment I thought of that, and it was honestly the disruption generator was just this little idea I had, and I was like, I think I want to make it like a tarot deck, and then it turned into this. <laughs> I love it. Those are how the best ones are, you know? Like this uh yeah. this thing that I've been writing for over a decade, Zobra, that you know, you're mm -hmm. gonna help illustrate for me. That has been gnawing at the back of my head and I've been you know, slyly working on it every week for over a decade. Or shifting things around. It's just been, you know, back there and oppressive in a way. And the mm -hmm. last album I did, I wasn't even planning to do an album like i just you know yeah. recorded a song was like oh i couldn't stop and then boom album meanwhile you know the the one thing that the obsession is coming from feels like too much now it feels too big and things projects get yeah. too big you know yeah actually i have a cousin that wrote a novel it took him 15 years to write a 120 page novel is it good no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah, over but you can, Yeah, but you can tell he really tried, and it's a story that he really wanted to tell. Uh-huh. But he probably should have let it go after a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that, probably... Not like, not, like, 
Not like let it go as in like stop working on it, but like let it go as in like let it be its own thing. Yeah, like yeah, it, I see. Yeah. Because I was going to say that could, that, you know, that's probably my most feared review for oh, anything yeah. that I put out. Well, it seemed like a good passing idea. I probably should have just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, that is the worst review. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eric, it was fantastic finally talking to you. I'm going to hopefully see you next, was it in a week or so? On the 21st? Yeah, We're, yeah. I, will, I am definitely going to try to be there. We're going to make it a it cleansing by fire kind of ritual. We're going to burn shit and, yeah. you know. Well, that should be fun. Yep. Gonna... Everybody likes fire. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us more than others, apparently, speaking of myself, <laughs> but, but yeah. And in any case, I want to thank you so much for, for letting me gab at you. Well, thank you. I've been, I've been a fan of the show since basically you started putting them out. So, well, and ditto. This, this I've been one a- of my, yeah, this is one of my favorite podcasts, so. <laughs> That was Eric J. Millar. Please check out Outlet Press. I will have all the pertinent links below in the show notes. Uh, Shit's going crazy in life right now. I decided to get out of the place I've been living in for three years as a means for a psychic exorcism, uh, big change, and to complete my... Well, my big, my big work of art I've been trying to complete for over 10 years. So the next three months are going to be pretty jam-packed, and I hope to be consistent with the output of the podcast. Got some great gifts, got some great guests uh, on the horizon, and please be sure to check out wethehallowed.org. If you'd like to support the art collective, this podcast, me and my creation of whatever the fuck I'm doing at the time I am doing it, please consider being a Patreon at patreon.com slash wethehallowed and follow Eric and I and our continuing uh, work together via wethehallowed.org and look for that Zozobra column. It's kind of like Charlie Kaufman's adaptation meets modern magic and all the insanity that ensues especially the Nicolas Cage style so yeah life is crazy I love you all and please haunt on <laughs>